0: Yahweh again to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to any that would hear my words. Listen to my words. Listen to your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. Thank you for the opportunity, Father. Thank you for another day. Your breath in my lungs. You grace me. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh, Amman, Yeshua, aman, Paraklitos, So, we're here again. How awesome is that? I mean, for me, that's pretty awesome. I've shared with you before that I've been doing this for some time now, and God has blessed me with this opportunity and blessed me with this platform, showed it to me, helped me find it, got it started, got it going, and I've been doing this every single day for better than three years now. Every day, that's, glory to God. This isn't anything about attaboy me. This is all about, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for bringing me into your word. Thank you for bringing me closer. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share for anyone out there that would hear these words and listen to what I'm saying and then get in your Bible and seek his faith, seek his truth and his knowledge and get it from him. Can you hear him now? When you get in the word and you read about it, can you see him now? So many folks, and I've shared this a time or two before, but you know, it's. It's worth repeating and sharing again. There's so many f- folks and I It just, I find it so humorous sometimes. It's difficult actually now, it, it didn't used to be, but um, you know, I kinda got what they were saying. I wasn't walking with God as I should have been, which, People are really quick to remind individuals of too. They don't, they love to remind you of everything that you did and how you were and how you used to be. And some of these things took place, they were just teeny boppers. They don't even, and sometimes they weren't even old enough to be around. They just get it from hearsay. And then they're going to try to point their finger at you and blame you. But here's the thing that you have to remember. The accuser is the liar, the blamer, the deceiver. He that looks to come into the flock and scatter the sheep and to tear them asunder, to kill, destroy, and steal. That's the devil. So, as Jesus told Peter, Peter, a lot of people misunderstand this. A lot of people believe that Jesus was talking to Peter. Jesus wasn't talking to Peter. The devil was using Peter and manipulating his thoughts, so he got agitated, and Jesus just turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And if you want to paraphrase that and say it, in the vernacular and and a little bit more modern time, Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, you shut your mouth, devil, get out of him and get gone. Which is, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture just said that Jesus turned and rebuked him and said, Satan, get thee behind me because he knew that Peter wasn't saying it. And of course, things got caught up and Satan took a hold of Peter and Peter was confused and afraid and what he did when he denied being part of the thing because he, he saw, they came in and they were, they were, you know, he was following Jesus when they arrested him in the garden and I'm quite sure that the, now you remember there were Herodians, there were temple guards and there were some Romans involved in this. They they had a whole agree going on there, you know? And then uh, Judas, of course, was right up there in the group of the temple leaders. These were temple leaders. They were supposed to be teaching the people, but what they were, <laughs> they were just so caught up in their own arrogance and then they're so, they were so, uh, what was that word I gave you the other day? Besotted with themselves. They were so in with what they were and what they had done and so Peter was following and I'm sure you saw him shoving Jesus around and beating up on him they had him in there and then as they were taking him in they were whacking him with the the shaft of the spears and not treating him well and you know Peter's like whoa I don't want to get caught up in all that so I'm, I'm just going to they ask me I'm going to tell him I don't know him And he did that three times. And right after he had told Jesus that he would follow him anywhere. And then, here's the thing that we have to understand, brothers and sisters. There may very well come a time, and it's told us in the Bible, and I'm sitting here, I shared the other day with the headlines when they come into alignment with the Bible. And they are. I mean, I'm seeing these things that are going on now and the headlines and all these things that are there And, and it's true, but if you go into the word of God, if you go into the Bible, you go into the books of the prophets and you see some of these things. Now, you know, here's, you remember, don't forget, a prophet is not somebody that sees into the future, okay? God anoints individuals with a special gift and some of his prophets, he did anoint them that way. Now prophets are pastors of churches or prophets, and they have some of the groups in their their thinking they have a special they have special prophetic teaching where you can do but what that what it is is that you are you learn to be more receptive to God's word and his leading of the spirit, and that you have And God will give you special things to say at times. But the prophets are the leaders of the church. They're the, uh, they're also called the angels, called the angels. Uh, If you remember when Jesus had John write uh, letters to the seven churches, to the angels of the churches, he was talking about the pastors, the leaders of the church, because those letters he wanted read to the congregation so that they would know and understand, some of them, he wanted the pastors to know that, hey, this is what's happening in the church. You need to be aware of this. And there's some things that need you to do. And... John did those things. So pastors are called angels, they're called prophets, and many of God's prophets were wandering prophets, and some were stationary. But brothers and sisters, the thing of it is is that the word of God comes, and we are all called To be about our Father's business, and some are anointed in different ways. So I'm going to read something here. This is, um, you have to remember this, and Paul's writing this, and this is also about in Philippians. And this is very important to remember because many, 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 even those that claim to be Christians get caught up in this and they don't get it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Now remember, I shared this with you before when it talks about our spiritual warfare and how it's worthless and vain and absolutely it makes no sense for you to argue and fuss at other individuals because you don't like something they did. How worthless is that? And how totally contrary to the word of God is that? So you don't fuss at your neighbor. You're straight up your yays be yays and your nays be nays. Jesus told us that. But the importance is that you don't waste your energy. You don't waste spiritual energy on things that don't matter like those things of the flesh. You have to be prepared and be ready. And then you have individuals say, oh, we don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit's gonna do it all. I read the end of the book. Yeah, well, you didn't read the end of the book in context. And you are telling God that you're not gonna do what he calls you to do. So now you, in your pompacity think that you are greater. Hmm, you better rethink that. And you better get in the word of God, you better read what the Bible says. We are told that we are in a spiritual warfare. And if you want to just sit back and let the minions of hell come in and run over you and take you and have you, then you head on to it. But that's not what the end of the book says. In Revelation 22, if you read this thing and you read it as it was intended to be written, they're not just talking about the book of Revelation. Brothers and sisters, they're talking about the entire Bible. So you refuse to answer God's call and he came and died for you and yet you're gonna sit there and tell him, ah, I don't have to do anything. You said that we win anyway, what do I gotta do anything for? Well, <clears throat> that arrogance almost reeks. It's okay, I remember being in the military and there were guys that were like that. Further, 2 Corinthians ten four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that they're not earthly, they're not things that we can reach out and touch. They're not things that we can put our hands on for the most part, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? Well, that means that when you start getting your thoughts all wrapped around things, and we talked about this in our Bible study um, a few weeks ago, these thoughts and these ideas, these foundational bricks that are put up there to block out what God intends to come in and that we need to pray the Holy Spirit and for that heavenly rope to toss up on those things and pull down those strongholds that David wants, that the devil wants to put up in there. See, that's what he wants to do, see? He wants to build a stronghold to be able to come in there and hang out, but that's you have to rebuke that. You can't have God's Holy Spirit and allow Satan to come in and reside, or his minions, those thought, that white noise interference to come in. <clears throat> Further reading in verse five, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself Against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, let me share further. Can you hear me now? Can you see me now? There's so many individuals out here that say that they can't have faith in God because they can't see him or they don't hear him. Are you listening? Are you listening? Or are you just deciding that it's not there. So I've shared this with you and I'm gonna share it again. You have individuals that will put their faith and trust in their auto mechanic. Let me ask you, do you go into the bay, into the service bay when you take your car into the dealership or wherever you take it? Do they allow you to go into the garage and do you watch the mechanic do the work that he says that he does or she does? There are women mechanics. Do you see them do the work? Do you know that the parts they're putting on are new parts? There was a big to-do about some transmission joint that got uh, leveled out and wound up having to close the doors and got sued all over the place, why? Because what they were doing is they were putting transmission fluid and sawdust and they weren't actually doing the work, but it would make the transmission run smoother until all that got ground up and and flushed out, and then it started doing the same thing it was doing before, but they didn't actually do the reparation that they build the person for. <clears throat> not saying that all mechanics are that way. I'm not saying that all of them act that way and all of them won't, but you put faith, the point is that you put faith in something that you don't see done. Let me ask you another question. Let's put it to you a little more intense and a little more intensity here. Let's turn the flame up. So, You travel by plane, you're gonna go out and get on something that in actuality, if you study the science of it, it it shouldn't fly. But yet you go, And with faith in the aeronautics mechanics that did what they were supposed to do or what they said they did on that airplane, you don't even check the manifest, you don't check the reparation orders, you don't check anything. You just go and you walk up the stairs and you get shown to your seat and you go sit down. And sometimes you might see the pilot come up and walk down the aisle and go into the cockpit, but many times you don't even see that you just take it for granted that the pilot's up there in front of the airplane and he's got his hand on the column and he's flying that airplane and that the avionics crew, they did all the work that they were supposed to do on it to make sure that it flies. Didn't see it done, but you have faith in that and you're going to get on that plane and you're going to believe it to be done. And you have individuals that are gonna get on these bunch of jumping things, and they're gonna get up there and they're gonna dive off this thing that's three, 400 feet above the ground or above a river, and did you see him tie the knot? Did you see him check the harness? Did you see him do all the work that's necessary? Just ask him. But yet, you're gonna say that you can't believe in something you can't see like God who is the creator of all things made, the maker of all things made, Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made, the great I am. The maker of all things made, our heavenly father. You complain and say, I can't believe in that, I can't see him. Or you've got that white noise interference and your ear turned up too high, it's like you have earbuds in or the earplugs in and you got those tuned in to all that white noise interference. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody that has things in and they got those things way up? And when you're trying to be in a customer service position, you try to get them to respond to you and they're just not paying any attention to anything that's being said. So you got to kind of wave at them and get their attention and then they pull it out and say, and they're either polite and they apologize, or as many times, they're a little on the younger side, not saying that all youngsters are this way, so get your knickers all twisted up, but then you go, yeah, what? What do you want? Well, I'm trying to conduct business here, I'm trying to get you checked out, so everybody else waiting in line can get checked out, but you're busy listening to whatever you're listening to, and it's interfering with the process, so perhaps you can be polite and take that out, and let's do this and then put it back in when you get done. I don't say all that, but that's kind of what's going through my head. Communication, but here's the thing. God is real, God is there, and God talks to us. You gotta lean in and you gotta listen to him. You gotta kind of incline your ear toward him because God speaks in a still, small voice. Remember, Elijah went out on the mountain and he was running because he was fearfully driven. He had just got done destroying those counselors and those priests that were dealing falsely with the people and the nation. And Jezebel had married the king of Israel, Abner. Ahab, sorry. Abner was another king, Ahab, and brought all that false deity and idol worship and all that thing into the people, and, and it was okay, and they were doing some despicable things in the temper, so they destroyed them. And the fire from heaven came down and consumed the sacrifice that Elijah had made. Well, he took off running because Jezebel said she was gonna to do to him what he did to them. So he took off, he got fearful. And on top of all that, he thought that he was alone. He thought that he was the last one because they had all been consumed and that she had all her priests destroy them, those that were falling. And he went up on the mountain and he couldn't hear because of all the turmoil and all the tussle, the lightning storm, the earthquake, the the wind howling and, and so powerful that rocks were being blown down the mountain the thundering, the lightning, the rains coming down, torrential rainfall and the wildfires and all the noise, he couldn't hear God. And when he went back into the cave, he heard that still, small voice that was talking to him and said, Elijah, you are not alone. When you go back to Jerusalem, you will find that there are many That did not fall prey to the false doctrines and false teachings. They did not leave my tenets. They followed my teachings. They followed what I taught them. They are there. You are not alone. I am with you. They are with you. And he told them that in a so small voice. He didn't blare it out in a megaphone. He didn't holler it out in this Trumpet device. And he didn't do so with many waters coming from his voice, and he didn't blare it out as many thunders. And he talked to him like a loving heavenly father, which God does. But that verse 5 is very important. Casting down imaginations, and I underlined that, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here's the thing: there's many Christians that that actually do this, or they claim to be Christians. The label heads are self-proclaimed, but they won't stand up and speak rightly, truthfully righteously, boldly, the word of God. Because they heard something through the minions, that white noise, and then they become not just frightened, but they become fearful. And they allow Satan to become something that he is not. They allow him to become bigger, greater, more powerful than what he actually is. Satan, I've shared this with you before, he is a deceiver, he is a liar, he is great at camouflage, he is a great tactician, he is powerful, you have to understand and respect the enemy in order to be able to deal with him. And it's not glorifying him to talk about him. Focuses on God and the word of God and the truth that came from the word, which was Jesus who came and died for me, that's their focus in the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. However, don't ignore that the devil is real. Jesus described them as a ravening wolf. Peter describes him as a wolf and a lion. Paul talks about him as being a lion. And we although there are maybe many that don't like it, but it's true. We are the sheep, and you think that wolves are not gonna come in and tear up sheep, and lions are not gonna come in and tear them up. It's exactly what we are told, that he seeks to come in to steal, scatter this flock, steal and destroy what he can get. So again, further, 2 Corinthians ten six, And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. everything is not as it may appear. And Paul writes further in in verse eight, I'm going to share this and then I'm going to expand, expound on this a bit. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. I'm gonna expound on that a little bit and it's important because authority is given to us. And remember, I've shared this with you and I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna share it again. And we will find this in Luke chapter 10. Luke is very descriptive, he's very detail-oriented about things. Remember, Luke was the physician Matthew is the bookkeeper, so he also is very uh, observant and very careful to in what he writes, and that he writes in detail, as does Luke. But in Luke 10, we find this authority thing that I've shared with you before <clears throat> Mm, This is important. Holy Spirit, just put it, put the squeaks on that. Hold on, I'm going to stop here. And actually, I'm going to read, I'm going to share this because it's Luke 9. Wow. So the spirit put a stop on this here and, and which he does oftentimes when I'm going through the Bible on my way. So I want to help put a stop on things, but I'm going to share this with you because it's important. Um, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he was explaining to us, um, you know, talking about all the different warnings or all the different opinions uh, concerning him, and all these things that are said. This is this. I'm sharing this because it's very important to do because there are individuals that I care for greatly. Um, they're falling into this same thing, and there are individuals that claim to be Christians that are doing the same thing, and they follow as I've shared with you, the uh, theological wizards and the commentators, the the Yinta commentators, and I call them that because these are self-proclaimed theological masters and they have all this. They look down at their nose at people and they're actually not even following the word of God. They're not even following, but yet they have got individuals so enthralled by what they're saying and then comments are being made. well, they're doing more good than than most Christians. Well, yeah, but that doesn't make it correct. it makes it a good thing, and just like Jesus tells us though. Luke nine twenty two, saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then we're gonna jump down to 26, verse 26, talking about denying Christ, or are you going to speak the truth? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. So you don't want to speak the word of truth and you don't want to talk about Jesus, but you're going to talk about things that are good and all this stuff. But Jesus tells us this thing here. And we're gonna find this in Luke 10, (laughs) pardon me. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. (coughs) Pardon me. And nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding. However, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So the admonishment that Jesus gives is not to be caught up in all the stuff and say, oh, look what we did, look what we did, look what we did. And just like Paul writes in his letters, and he teaches us that we not get caught up in boasting in ourselves. And it's good that individuals do good things. That is good. But works alone are not going to get them saved. Works alone are not going to get them into heaven. Works alone are not going to lead individuals to the truth. And it's awesome that they do good things, but... The example that I, I comes to mind, and i I can't help that it comes up is that you know I have somebody I care deeply about, and they're so enthralled with this person because he's um what's the term I can't even think of the word now, but he he does things and he's he's very open and very plain about it and um but when he's in public one way, but the thing of it is is that. He's also very demonstrative of things that are totally and completely contrary to biblical teaching and truth. Does a lot of good stuff, but totally contrary. Um, So prayer is important to these things, but you have to understand that we have authority to stand up to these things, these imaginings, I shared with you, I was in 2 Corinthians. And it's important that this authority that we have and that it's um, the imaginations and the thoughts and the things that we have in our heads that we decide are there and real. But we are not going to have, and it's in 2 Corinthians 5. So you you don't believe in God because you can't see him, but you, you're you going to put faith and believe in that the aeronautics engineers did all their reparations on what they were supposed to do and that the pilot is up there doing what he's supposed to do. And It's interesting where people decide that they're going to put their faith. And because an individual speaks wildly against certain railings of the government and things like that, and things that are very obviously bad, if you pay attention, you'll see it. You don't need an individual to tell you these things, but yet you're going to put them up there as a great guy. And may very well be. May very well be. But the problem that I have is when they are using expletives and they're doing hand gestures that are, you know what they are. I mean, goodness gracious, they're very obvious and makes that very plain and blatant and and out there. And so that's part of his defiance. Just be cautious. Remember what I've shared time and time and time again. Try the spirit. And this young man, I think, is suspect. But I'm an old guy. What do I know? But here's some things that I'm going to share with you, the promises that are guaranteed. And these are truths that we can find in the Bible. So, and they're there. I mean, you can read them, you see them. And this has to do with what I've shared already. God promises to answer the prayers, but because we don't get the answer when we think that it should be done and when we want it to be done and when we don't get what we want, not what we need, but what we want, we have problems with that. There, There's one of those imaginings, those bricks of imagination that are piled up there. We have problems with that. God does know best, and He will provide what you need. It might not always be what you want, and many, let me share this with you. Oh goodness gracious! I got to tell you this. So too, is that God does give what you want when He sees that that's something, and He and He, it's a it's a reward thing. Our heavenly Father does that. Yes, He does. Yes, he does. I'm gonna share this with you right now in regards to that. That Harley Davidson ultra Classic motorcycle that's parked out in my garage, I can't ride right now because I fell and I got injured and just things, but that was a gift. And he likes to ride, I'm gonna tell you that right now. I've ridden across this country a time or two around this country and all over. God likes to ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. But God will answer your prayers. And he does answer. It's just not all according to your time. Remember that God's watch doesn't run on our time. God's watch operates on his time. And remember what we are told? The Bible is very clear about this. A thousand years is as a day. That doesn't mean that everything is going to take that long for God to get to you. That just means that it's not going to be according to your time schedule. And to sit there and tap your foot and keep looking at your watch and keep reminding it, well, God, 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 and like the kid in the back seat of the car, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Did we get it yet? Did you do it yet? Did you answer yet? Did you do? That's inappropriate. Be mindful of God's sovereignty. Be respectful of God's sovereignty. He does sit on a throne. And he is the maker of all things made. And he is the ancient of days. And he is the great I am, as he told Moses. And he does have... Remember when Moses desired to see God, but because of God's greatness, and because of his glory and countenance, that Moses would be consumed. God said, if you want to see me go by, he said, I'll I'll grant that to you. He said, but you must hide in the cleft of the rock and you cannot look on me directly. He said, that way you can see my shadow when I go by. He said, but if you look on me directly, you're going to be consumed. And this is something that is so awesome. Um... God promises to answer the prayers. You can see reference and you find that in Matthew 7, 7. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is knock. Romans eight thirty eight through 39. Romans 8, that's our adoption letter. That is our adoption letters. God promises to be with us and nothing can take that from us. God promises that He will be with us. And and there's nothing that can that can come in between. Be persuaded. Know and believe. This is what Paul writes: I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. This is the thing that Jesus was trying to get us into. John talks about it all the time. The love of God. For God so loved the world, you can't get beyond it, and yet there are so many people that get caught up in all it, and then they decide that they want to call it bigotry and racism because it doesn't specifically... Name, But remember, I've shared this with you, brothers and sisters. God is a respecter of no man or woman. He didn't care what skin color you have. He didn't care what kind of fancy suits you have. He doesn't care if you wear Versace or uh, who's that other big name guy or uh, uh, He didn't care if you wear Chanel cologne or perfume ladies. He didn't care if you carry a coach bag. He didn't care if you have Gucci shoes. God didn't care about any of that. God cares about the character of your heart. That's it. None of that other stuff matters. Carnally, it does to you and you do to other people because you're seeking validation of man and mammon, not of God. And God does promise to work all things out. For our good, if we love him. That's also in Romans 8. That's also another section of our adoption letter. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord. I love God. I love the fact that these things, and sometimes I think he does it in purpose. God has a sense of humor. He does. And that's been proven to me time and time again. He'll kind of let things go, just like he did when I was sitting here trying to figure out the numbers and things. And I kept crunching the stuff in my head and being concerned and all that stuff about it. And then the Holy Spirit woke me up and we came and we sat down at the table. And uh, we started doing the math. Well, the math that I was doing was incorrect. Yeah, I i miss some numbers. Look, I'm an old guy. And the Holy Spirit sat down, and we went through the exact thing that I did, except that I lined up the numbers and I looked at it, and I did it on paper. And when I did that, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I had nothing but a hallelujah had to come up because God had made it, <laughs> and it was like I get that little uh, the little flick on the back of my ear. See, see. It's going to be okay because I told you it would be. Yes, he did. And did I get concerned? Yes, I did. Why? Because I got caught up in the white noise. The devil takes great delight in that. He takes great delight in it. And he comes at me really pretty hard because he sees that I desire a stronger walk with God. And this is what takes place when you desire that and you try to work on that end. He tries to make it as miserable for you as he possibly can. And testing, try you. But look at Job. Remember Job. This is the story of Job, and this is exactly what it goes. I'm not trying to be comparative, but Job went through a lot of things. Job, Job was greatly blessed. He was a very powerful believer in God, in Hahim Maker of all things made, and and he was, for his time in the culture where he was, he he did. He was a wealthy man, not only because he had. Livestock and, and properties and they had people that, that were working. Now, you know, people get their knickers all twisted up about this word servants. Yes, he had servants. But let me remind you back in those days in that culture that when they did that and they were called servants, they lived there. They had a residence there on the property around wherever they were at. They were given money so they could go buy whatever they wanted or groceries so they could eat the way that they wanted to eat. And they took care of the things here, but they lived there. They had a house built for them. They had clothes that were taken care of them, and their children were schooled. These things were done by those individuals that had. Job did that thing. And he had servants that were working there for him. He had livestock and he had animals and he had, he was a wealthy man. And if you know the story of Job, all of a sudden within two days, 48 hours, even less. Every single thing Job had was gone. His children, gone. His livestock were raided by bandits and thieves and they came and took. Everything he had was gone. The house fell and collapsed. And Job ended up in the dump outside the city and he was sitting out there when his friends showed up, supposed to be his friends, but they wanted to remind Job of everything that he had done that must have angered God. Job never turned against God. Job never raised his fist and shook his fist at at God like the nation of Israel did. What'd you bring us out here for? We should have stayed in the desert. What'd you bring us over here for? Well, I told you I'd give you the land of Canaan, I'd give you the promised land. All you had to do is believe me have faith, but you didn't do that. You came back and you said, I couldn't do it. You said that the big people that lived over there were greater than I am. So God will take care of us. And God works out. All things work together for the good for them that love the Lord. Job, he loved God. Job never once cursed God, never once blamed God, and never once. He did say, God, just let me die. Bring me home. Let me die. There's nothing left here for me now. But no, God's plans were greater, and God restored Job, not only to his health, but he prospered him greatly. And the one friend that Job had that came and just sat with him and comforted him and didn't tell Job everything that he had done contrary against God, and that's why God was mad. He also helped that young man. He honored him. So, brothers and sisters, God will. In Philippians 4.19, we also know that God promises to take care of your needs, your needs, not what you want, God does throw in some smattering of want sometimes because he likes, to, he likes to see us happy. But God will take care of our needs. And this is, this is where a lot of individuals have an issue with this when it says that we will, we will live abundantly. And their decision for abundance is that you got to be wealthy, you got to have big house, you got to have lots of money, you got to have many cars. Well, that's not what abundance means at all. Abundance just means that you don't run out of what you need. And that's all it means. It doesn't mean anything special that you have all this other stuff. It just means you have what you need. And with God... Because God has all this stuff and doesn't run out, then it's plentiful and and sufficient quantity or supply, oversufficiency. Oversufficiency. This is what God has and will provide what you need. It doesn't necessarily mean. Now, I, this is where I disagree that the one the one point here is that it. Uh, This is depends on where your mind is at, that you can, where your treasure is, so shall your heart be. So if you decide that abundance means you have to have the houses and the cars and all this, and you have to have this, and you can flaunt your little bling bling around to the people when you when you walk and you move your hand a certain way, so their eye catches on that glint of the, the big old gaudy diamond rings, or whatever. And there's people that put it to that term, but that's not what abundance means. this just says that you're able to have sufficiently sufficient abundance of what you need to have and that it's actually an overflow, that you have what you need, everything you have. You have no want for anything because you have everything you need. If you start to want more and desire something, that's because you're going beyond what you need. There's some terms, and I didn't understand it when I was younger, but you know, my father, my earthly father, taught this and he learned it. And the Bible actually teaches don't live beyond your means, and many people do that now. I got caught into that, and that's what I was doing before. I was living outside of my means, and you know, when I shared with you that I used to be in a position where I could sign anything, I could my name meant something and I could simply sign my name. That's not so important. My treasure now is in the word of God is in his treasure house. And it's in the treasury that God provides those things for me. And that I walk in his word and his truth. And that he has called me to do that thing. And that my home, my true home, I'm just in residence here. I'm on a working residence visa here. And that's all I'm doing here now. But this is not my home. It's kind of where I hang out. And if we read in the word that God promises to provide us freedom from sin, if you believe that Jesus Christ came, and that he is the only begotten son of God. That he did die for us. He came and he died for me. I firmly believe it. I firmly believe it. First John 1, nine that we find this promise of freedom from sin. If we confess the sins, he is faithful. And just and forgives us. Those sin, He will forgive and cleanse us. God is true to His promises, and those are there. So, we have to do is have faith and believe, brothers and sisters. Be thankful for what He brings and gives to us, and we can learn that by paying attention and just leaning into that thing. Be thankful for everything. And you have to understand that God, it all comes from God anyway. One thing that Job said in, in his book and in his writing, and he wasn't going to curse God, and he used the same, he said, into this world naked I came. And when I leave, it'll be the same. He was just saying that it didn't matter all that stuff. All that stuff didn't matter to him. He liked it, he liked the comfort and all that stuff, but it didn't matter to him so much that when he lost it all, he fell at peace. And you have individuals that do that stuff now. Oh my gosh. When the depression came, you had these multimillionaires that were climbing out on the building ledges and they were leaping to their death. You had these investors, they were leaping to the death. It was raining people for crying out loud. There were stories that were being written in the headlines. It was raining people. Wall Street, you had people walking, climbing out of their windows or just jumping through the glass and leaping to their death because everything had gone, The, the stock market crashed. Because they lost all that money, all that treasure that they put their hearts into. And they failed to realize that everything belongs to God anyway. Job said it. Into this world I came naked. And when they put that body into into that bed, because your soul didn't stay there. And the Bible talks about it as being asleep. What do you think happens to all that suit and stuff they put on you anyway? But one thing that we have to do. Every single new day. Before we start the new day, we have to be thankful to God. Thank you, Father God, for this new day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And look around, brothers and sisters, look around. It's important to look around and see. Don't take it for granted. And many people do that. Even those that claim to be Christian, they don't see the sovereignty and the beauty and the grace of God Almighty and everything around us. And we're told to see that. And when you go and God asks you pointedly, he says, why didn't you believe? Well, I didn't know. God's gonna look at you with with puzzlement. And then he's gonna paint that pointed question to you. How is it that you didn't know? Didn't you listen? And then you're gonna be puzzled. Didn't you listen to the thunder? Didn't you listen to the birds singing in the field? Didn't you look at the vibrant colors of the flowers and the trees? Didn't you hear me speaking in the wind? Didn't you hear me? Didn't you hear me singing to you through the birds? And you didn't know? And this is why I share that these individuals decide that these songs are only for Christmas. It's only a Christmas carol. I don't agree. Let heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. God, the, the Bible tells us that. It's not just a Christmas carol. It isn't only sung in December. It shouldn't only be sung in December, and it's actually a prayer. O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful. Worship the Lord God Almighty. Believe in Jesus, the only begotten Son, who came to this earth from his presence to God, and he came. He came for me and he died for me. Am I going to be about my father's business? Oh, you betcha. Do I believe and have faith? Oh, you betcha. I have seen too many things through this, the course of my life that God has blessed me with and allowed me to live this length of time. He has blessed me mightily. Thank you. Abba Yahweh, have I been perfect? But here's the thing that you have to understand too. Don't use that as an excuse, and many people do. Well, I have to, I have to clean up my act before I have to do that. No, you don't. God already knows everything about y'all. So He wants you to do is confess it to Him and believe and have faith. He already knows. You're not hiding anything. Just like when Adam and Eve, they went and they hid themselves from God. God already, God already knew. God already was aware. He wanted them to come and confess and and come out to Him. And they tried to clothe themselves because for the first time ever, I mean, they used to walk and talk with God in the cool of the evening. They were naked, but they weren't ashamed. They didn't try to hide anything. And then Satan, of course, beguiled the woman and convinced her that she wouldn't die. Well, the thing of it is that it wasn't physical death. that was being talked about. So she fell and she ate. And she did die, because they were gonna walk. And much like any they probably would have just walked into heaven with God when they got ready to go, but they had the garden, they walked in the cool of the evening and they shared time with God, they talked with God. It's that old song, I remember a song when I was a child. I can't remember it now. I'm going to have to look it up and share. But it was it was beautiful. My father used to sing it. My father couldn't carry a note if it was put in a tote second handed to him. But this song he sang and he, man. And I could hear his voice. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And we'll tarry there, I can't remember it, but it's a beautiful song, and I remember his voice. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, going out and coming in every day. Have a blessed day, listen for him, and have faith.